0: And so all of those kids did exactly what that generation told you to do, and turns out it wasn't good advice in a lot of instances. It wasn't some, um, and I, I'm trying to be super cognizant of the fact that what, what was true when I was of, you know, when I was 18 to 22, we'll say, will likely not be true by the time, I mean, by the time my kids are 18 or 22, the world's going to look so, so different.
1: that's austin allred and he is the founder and ceo of lambda school an interesting twist on higher education specifically teaching technical skills and they have some interesting models around income share agreements and stuff but we sat down to talk about some of the shifts in higher education how covid has expedited those shifts and very insightful so let's jump into the interview with austin Well, today on the podcast, we have founder and CEO of Lambda School, Austin Allred, um, and he's doing some really cool things with his company, um, which is really disrupting higher education, and especially in light of all the COVID stuff, it's a very interesting time in that space, and I wanted to have Austin on, and he's a father uh, as well, and so, Austin, thanks for being on the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Well, hey man, I I, w- I wonder if you could just start us off by telling the telling the Lambda story. Give us the give us a couple minute story of how you got to be running uh, Lambda School.
0: Oh yeah. Um, so you know, I moved to San Francisco from a small town in rural Utah, um, and which is where I happen to be now, actually. Um, but when I had friends who you know from this town that would ask me like, "Hey, what should I do to get into tech?" Uh, there wasn't a really good answer that I could give him. I'd say, you know, go move a couple hours to the north and pay 15 grand and go to a code school. Or you could say, you know, take four years and 100 grand and go to college. Uh, but it felt like that both of those were really out of reach for most people. So originally we said, all right, let's just take a really good code school and put it online. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll charge you know $10,000 for it, the same as everybody else. It'll be 12 weeks long. Um, and basically iterated from there um, and found that the number one reason people weren't able to join is because they didn't have $10,000, shockingly. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out if you want to learn a skill to increase your income, you may not have – $10,000 sitting around. <laughs> um, so, yeah, trying to solve that problem, we ended up with the, um, the solution we have now, which is an income share agreement where you don't pay us anything unless and until you get hired making more than $50,000 a year, and then you pay us a percentage of your income for a couple of years or $30,000, um, whichever comes first, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, that's Lambda School.
1: Cool. So this like super interesting model, the ICA model um, or Income Share ISA, um, and it's super fascinating. And and I wanted to get your take on kind of where you see higher education going because this it's it's seemingly maybe easier to do it in your space because you can teach like all the coding through these things remote and everything. And so now with with all this COVID stuff, the whole higher education space is like being disrupted for lack of a better word. And do you see ISAs being more like common or do you think just the the sheer number of higher education like institutions will go down? Or I, I'm just curious what trends you're seeing in, in, in your analysis of the space.
0: Yeah, um, I would say generally speaking over the next year with COVID, we're going to see a lot of universities shut down. Um, It's just it's just unavoidable. It's math at this point. Um, And I I think, broadly speaking, that would have happened, but much more slowly anyway. Um, So what I what we're seeing is a shift away from, you know, when I when I went to high school, the only message was go to college, go to college, go to college, go to the best university you can. Don't think twice about what it would cost. Mm. Just do it. Um, and I talk to 18 year olds today all the time and obviously my sample can be a little bit biased, but everybody is just super, everybody's hyper aware of student debt, um, they're hyper aware of the trade-off of their time. Um, and they're much more aware of alternatives than they have been. I mean, when I dropped out of college, you had to be crazy to do it. And now I'm talking to people all the time. They're choosing a different path. Um, obviously, you know, my sample's a little bit biased, but I think that's true generally across the population. Um so I think we will see kind of the unbundling of the university and we will see we will cease to regard a four year university degree as the only way for somebody to be successful in life. Mm-hmm. Um I think Nassim uh Taleb had a tweet today that was basically If you want to understand voting patterns and millennial mindset, which is hard for some of the boomers and some of the older folks, understand that anybody who studies something theoretical right now and gets a bachelor's degree will end up making less than a truck driver or anything technical. Um, And so that there's some major implications in society for that being the case where, you know, when my parents went to college, if you got a degree rubber stamp, you know, you were hired. Um, you were on the path, you were making good money and now that's just fundamentally not true. Um, and it'll take a long time for that to reverberate through society, but it, but it absolutely will.
1: Yeah. So what I agree with that. I mean, the, then the question is like, does something replace it? And if something replaces it, then, then what is that? You know, is this it, or is it just, go, is it, were half of those just irrelevant, you know, some of those, those universities or those degrees, or, um, do you have to have another way to kind of qualify slash educate? Qualify that's that's a sinister actually word just to say because you're assuming that no education is <laughs> happening right like but to to, to th- there is something to be said for validating you know going through four years of of university and then actually coming out on the other side so I'm curious what are some of your thoughts on what replaces that and you know what becomes of it
0: yeah so I think you know like most unbundling uh, you know we have a few examples of things being unbundled. Um, so if you think, for example, about the newspaper, right, the newspaper was the sports section and the classified section and the dating section and all these other things. Um, and now you have services that are really, really good at that specific thing. So Craigslist or to a lesser degree, Facebook Marketplace crushed the New York Times classifieds. Right. No one uses the and maybe New York Times is a bad example, but your your local newspapers classifieds. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Tinder or Bumble or whatever else are taking the dating slice and The Athletic or ESPN.com or all these or what? what's another Barstool Sports and Twitter are eating the sports section. Um, so I think that will happen broadly to the university. So I think and the, the tricky thing about when something becomes unbundled is you don't you no longer have to get the entire package, right? Um, So, you know, the way everybody used to watch three network television stations, now I haven't watched ABC in I don't know how long. um, And I watch my super niche stuff over here. um, And I think that's what will happen to education. Um, So not everybody will go to, you know, Kansas State University, but they may do a deep dive in... HR or, you know, whatever that thing that they are interested in or study is. So I I would predict a resurgence of trade and vocational schools generally. Um, I would predict a surge in self-learning or non-credential learning generally. Um, and I would predict, and this is something that, you know, we've been waiting for for a long time, um, more and better kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Um certifications or credentialing um Um, that is more broadly accepted than or as broadly as broadly accepted as the university degree. Right now the university degree is the be all end all credential. Um I predict that will not be true ten years from now.
1: Yeah. So how do you I mean there's ramifications of that on the hiring side because then they're looking for a different type of credential, right, to to give some sort of validation. But what's interesting, what's interesting to me too is that um, from the – to bring it back to like the fatherhood side, it's like we, we have our young kids. I think you have kids that are like you know sub-five years old, right, or around that, that age. And so when they're of – you know, when they're turning 18, when they would typically be going off to college, it's like that's going to be a totally different world. I mean it's going to be a drastically different world. So how, what are the things that – parents can be doing to kind of shift the, the advice they're giving or the outlook, you know, there's no longer this goalpost of just graduate high school, you know, graduate uh, from college and then just go get the job. It's like, it's fundamentally different. And what are some of your thoughts on that? Like how that's going to shift, how the shifts are going to be pushed down, you know, stream, so to speak.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's, it's really interesting because I think broadly speaking, and this is, this may be Um, it may be biased and it may be less true than I think it is, but I think taking career advice from your parents is going to be a worse and worse idea as time goes on. (laughs) Um, so said differently as, you know, as the economy shifted, if I did, like my parents saw a path that was super, super successful and their entire generation recommended that path to all of their kids. And so all of those kids did exactly what that generation told you to do, and turns out it wasn't good advice in a lot of instances. It wasn't some, um, and I I'm trying to be super cognizant of the fact that what what was true when I was of you know when I was 18 to 22 we'll say will likely not be true by the time I mean by the time my kids are 18 or 22 the world's going to look so so different, um, and I think that there's going to be more variance, right? Like in the past, it was, um, if you get a degree from a good school in anything, you will slot yourself right into corporate life. You will make 40 to 60 K a year. And over time, you will work your way into the six figures. Um, you know, now at Lambda school, you know, we just had a student a couple months ago with no degree hired, making two forty K a year. We've had students making 300 K. Um, And their students graduate, you know, we have a lot of students who graduated with a marketing degree, which seems like a super promising field and can't get an internship that pays more than 15 bucks an hour. So they come to Lambda. So I think that divergence is going to be very real. Um, And the the thing that I fear a little bit for society is so many of us are looking for the just close your eyes and go down that path and it all works out. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be less and less true as time goes on.
1: So why do you fear that? You said you fear that for society or what do you mean? Like,
0: I don't think we're ready for it. Um, I think the average person is still looking for that and it may not exist 20 years from now. Um, which is, it's just different, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and you know, the times they are a changing and things that were true for our parents generation are definitely not true today and i think we will underestimate the extent to which that will be true in the future
1: yeah
0: as we always do that's just what that's what parents do we <laughs> we think that you know there's kind of the, the meme that you know what the best album in the world is the album that came out when i was a sophomore in college like that, that is that is the epitome of music Anything that came before that is old. Anything that came after that is just noise. Um, and, you know, so you kind of lock yourself in that world and assume that the world will continue to work that way, and it just won't.
1: <laughs> it was We actually were struck by that. It's funny you say that because um, we were listening to some, like, my wife and I with our kids, like, some, like, early 2000s music, and it's like, this is going to be the oldies. Like, when they get older and they're, like, in high school, they're gonna be like, <laughs> oh, you're playing that oldies music again? It's like... <laughs> It's like that. Just it kind of like blew my mind. I'm like, wow, I'm kind of old, and, and that's, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, like,
0: when, I, when I was a kid, I would, you know, you'd go to the dentist and they would like listen to, you know, the '80s. It was, and it, then it became like the '80s, '90s, and today. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, the, like, Eminem is the, is to my kids what you know the '80s was to me. That's yeah.
1: crazy. Yeah, totally. It's hilarious. Oh man. So um. What doesn't change in that scenario though? So like to me, like, so we homeschool our four kids. And so I'm, I'm pretty adamant about like the whole notion of like teaching your kids how to learn and not adamant that that's the only way I think, you know, but that what I feel like we we teach them. And I think anyone has the, the onus to do this with their kids. Like you have to teach them how to adapt and like foster a love of learning, but how does that change? I guess, like, how do we equip our children or how, how it will change? Like, things things that won't change. Like, that's never going to change, right? Like, if you learn how to learn, you're going to learn how to ad- adapt to the future. Um, and one of the arguments for higher education is, like, it, it kind of shapes you into an adult or whatever you want to say. Like, there's the non, like, facts, academic things that you might learn in a four-year, you know, degree at a university that often is touted as, like, it you know, it transforms you in other ways and it makes you a well rounded person or whatever. I'm not necessarily advocating for that, but it's interesting to me to think about like these kind of like rite of passages or whatever that are preparing you for the real world. Like does that make sense?
0: Yeah, totally. So I mean in my specific example, you know, when I was nineteen, I moved to eastern Ukraine for two years. Uh, I speak Russian fluently and you know, I live like a native Ukrainian. I learned how to, you know, my experience of learning how to go to the grocery store and fend for myself was speaking Russian and looking at call the saw instead of sausage or whatever. <laughs> um, so I I do think that rite of passage is valuable. The the, the. the issue I have with when people are like, yeah, but a university does X is always the assumption that the only way to do X is via the university. Mm. Um, So Brian Kaplan has this line that, like, if we, you know, if we said university started when we were three years old, people would say, how will you learn how to walk if it's not for a university? Like, you can learn how to walk without a university. Your parents can teach. I mean, uh, maybe that's a bad example. But um, I think there will be other ways to achieve something similar. Um, And, you know, I'm I'm sure you experienced this with homeschooling. Uh, you know, the, and I've invested in a couple of small homeschooling companies or they were small when I invested, (laughs) They're, they're much less small today. Um, and you know, we're, you know, we plan on homeschooling our kids to some extent. We're not entirely sure what the plan is. Um, but I'm sure the number one thing you hear is like, well, how will your kids have like socialization, right? Like how will they, you know, spend time with other kids? It's like, school is not the only way for kids to spend time with other people. And in fact, in a lot of ways, it can be a negative, right? Like kids are mean at school (laughs) and like the one to 30 teacher student ratio is fascinating. Um, So yeah, I think, you know, similarly, I I don't know how you do that for your kids, but they probably hang out with other kids all the time and it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, And you just find a different way to, to replace that
1: need. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point you bring up because, like for me, that's kind of a tell that someone doesn't really understand like what homeschooling is about. Like if that's the only thing you can come up against, like, like yeah, like, I'm not saying that's what you're saying, but it's like it's it's just interesting. Not, it's kind of like it, you automatically if someone asks that, you're there, like, mm, okay, yeah, I can see where you're coming from with this. Like, well, I think
0: yeah, I think the the main issue with like the homeschooling questioning is you know for me um, there were like two types of kids that were homeschooled, and I only ever met the one. The only homeschool kid I ever met was like the religious fundamentalist whose parents were trying to shelter him or her from the world. And so, you know, if I were to go to my high school buddies and say, hey, we're going to homeschool our kid, they would say, well, you know, aren't homeschool kids weird? It's like, well, religious fundamentalists can be weird, (laughs) and religious (laughs) fundamentalists tend to homeschool their kids more so there's a major selection bias there. Yeah. But there's some I mean that the average homeschool kid from a normal family is bright and well-rounded and frankly today crushing the public and even private school kids academically at pretty much everything. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's some fascinating data there. Um, you can, you can actually watch the shift in academic performance of homeschooling kids as it became more kind of of a widespread phenomenon. Mm. Um, and you know, I've talked to, you know, now the average billionaire that I talk to is homeschooling their kids. That Mm. was not true 20 years ago.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They (laughs) like, Oh, you're gonna learn how to code computers, but all guys that are good at computers are nerds and they don't really get any ladies and they're just (laughs) weird. Yeah. Don't do that. (laughs) Some of them that you met probably are, but those are those are the billionaires now. (laughs) Totally. Anyways. Um I know I know we gotta wrap up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know we gotta wrap up. Um I'm just curious, like what are the things um you know, what, what do you see, you know, and I wanted to touch on this with, you know, some of your, you said some of your, the billionaires, you know, are homeschooling, but with all the stuff with the COVID, what are some other things that you see that are kind of net positives that are coming out of it with schools being kind of shut down and, you know, both universities and like, um, you know, like primary education. Um, what are some of the net positives and, and transformations that you see, you know, as a result of that?
0: Yeah. Um, so some of the silver linings, and I have to be Careful here, because anytime I mention a positive, people are like, "Well, people are dying." So let's acknowledge the fact that coronavirus net is a terrible thing. Um, But the silver lining, I think, is it's it's kind of rewiring our brains from the way that we think about a lot of institutions. Um, So you know, colleges moving online, like everything's moving online all of a sudden, and I think for for me specifically, it's been interesting because I'm, you know, in the middle of nowhere in Utah and I'm finding that I can have a social fulfilling life and get everything that I need to done without really seeing any other people other than my family face to face. Mm. Um, and not to say I don't miss, you know, going to dinner with friends, but like, I would, I would guess a lot more of the shift that is remote, stays permanent than people are assuming right now. Um, I think if COVID would have ended after a month, we would have gone totally back to normal. But it's clearly not. I mean, we have Google saying, we're working from home until middle of 2021. Like that's a year from now. Um, So I think, you know, the ways that we'll adjust to the new normal will be fascinating. um, But they will become the new normal. And I think it's forcing us to try things that we wouldn't have tried. Um, So, for example, I I invested in kind of some micro schooling companies where, you know, you get a neighborhood school of eight kids together with a facilitator and, you know, they're blowing up in enrollment, like absolutely blowing up. And part of the reason is that now, you know, there is so there's such an incentive to try alternatives to things that you wouldn't have had the incentive to try before. So I think that's the, the net silver lining is it, to the extent that constraints can be a good thing at times, um, the constraint of, you know, you're not supposed to be in the same physical space as people is, is, could be a net positive. Well, not a net positive, but a, a gross positive. <laughs> yeah. Gross
1: positives. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta watch what you say. Yeah. Um, yeah. well, thank you, Austin, so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah we'll link to your your twitter and lambda school and everything in in the show notes so people can check out what you're up to and i i just, I, I love the model i love all the you know positive change and and lives that are changed through lambda school so keep it up i know you got a lot of haters out there but um there's there's way more people i think they are rooting for you so the haters are just more vocal <laughs> so <laughs>
0: well thank you yeah it, was, yeah it was good chatting
1: all right man see ya Thank you for listening to the Two Cent Dad podcast. Uh, this show is made possible by Waypoint. Waypoint is the tool that the best managers are using to help them manage their one-on-ones and grow as people and grow amazing teams. Uh, so check it out at waypointhq.com. As always, you can always email me with feedback from the show, Mike at Two Cent Dad. Uh, and also, if you're not a part of the email list, head over to twocentdad.com and sign up. Um, not only will you get updates when new episodes drop, you'll also get some extra goodies that come out, um, on occasion, um, from some of the different guests and some of the other things. So get on the email list. You'll get the best content and send me any of your advice, suggestions, or suggestions for guests on the show. Thanks.